Welcome to the Pollination Mamas podcast. I'd like to acknowledge the traditional owners of this land where I live, the Biripai people, and all other First Nations people within Australia. I aim to bring you collaborative conversations, cross-pollinating as we span our wings, connecting the threads of ancestral wisdom in a modern context so that we can live a nurtured life. I believe ancestral wisdom provides a roadmap to a regenerative culture, contributing to thriving communities, healing and health. The gorgeous little song that you heard in the intro and the outro is called The Littlest Birds. It was performed by the Oluca family band from the Olive Gap Farm. It was originally performed by the Be Good Tanyas and generously sponsored by the Olive Gap Farm, which is a certified organic family farm specialising in small batch native essential oils and seasonal cut flowers. I highly recommend checking out their tea tree oil online. They are located on Bundjalung country in the northern rivers of New South Wales, Australia and draw on inspiration from various sustainable farming practices to create a high quality product that's equally nourishing to us and the earth. You can check out links to their website and social media in the show notes. I had the wandering blues I sang those wandering blues And I'm gonna quit these rebel ways One of these days soon oh. And I sing The little ass birds sing the prettiest song The little ass birds sing the prettiest Mama's podcast. I've had a little break and I'm super excited to be kind of re relaunching, feels like a relaunch, making a comeback after our much needed little break with a um, guest I have today, Lucy Mendelson, who's here to chat about a project called Mums Matter Australia. So Mums Matter is an online symposium and uh, it's been Lucy and her partner have been working on this and planning this and doing all the behind the scenes work, which takes so much time for many, many months, many, many months. Lucy will tell us probably how many um, up until its recent launch about a month or so ago. So the theme this year for the Mums Matter Symposium was a new Australian narrative for mums, decolonising motherhood. Now, I was just saying to Lucy in our pre-record chat, the timing was just phenomenal because it was launched and been worked on before the most recent wave of Black Lives Matter. Um, so, yeah, it just sort of kind of came in and then that was happening and being a part of the conversation, which was quite interesting. So thanks so much for being here, Lucy. No worries. Thanks for having me. So I'll let you explain a little bit about um, who you are and how Mums Matter came about and all of that behind-the-scenes work, what's been going on there up until the recent launch and why the whys behind, why, um, yeah, you've been so passionate to get this up and off the ground. 
Yeah, well, I'll start by, um, I just want to acknowledge country, like I'm on Gadigal Wongal country in Sydney, um, and just acknowledge all the traditional custodians across the country that people are listening on. Um, so how did Mum's Matter come around? I, um, I work, the seed was planted with Julia Jones, who, um, who does newborn mothers, um, and I met Julia when my first bub was about four months old. She was doing an online sleep course, um, which I did with her. And then I started following her, obviously, around that time. And then she bought out a doula um, training course, a postpartum doula training course, which I started to get interested in. And so I did my training with her and then, Right at the end of doing training with her, she um, she said that she wanted to do something more than just doing the course and she wanted to have impact um, on the political system and, and the way in which things are funded and so forth. And I was like, oh, that really, you know, that's kind of what really floats my boat too, like having that kind of impact. And so we just started talking and that was probably like at the end of, 2018 probably like mid 2018 that we started talking um and we would talk every week for until 2019 2020 like we spoke every week about what we wanted to do and we explored so many different options and we just really let the discussion happen and unfold and then um then we started inviting other people into the conversation and talking to other people and extending out and work, trying to figure out what was what we could do that would have an impact. And we kind of came back around full circle because we sort of started with the idea of wanting to do a symposium or something that had had created the space for a discussion around what happens in a mother's life after she's had the baby because that was our passion is postpartum. And, um, yeah, it came back around full circle and we decided that we wanted to have a symposium and we'll do an online symposium and we um, and that we wanted to explore this area of decolonisation, um, which Julia had started researching a lot about and um, I have done a lot of work in the area of reconciliation and decolonisation in my um, other life. So it kind of just came together very naturally and, yeah, we had this idea to have a one-day online symposium around Mother's Day and we are going to launch it. We had all our speakers, like, lined up and then COVID happened. <laughs> like, and we were like, oh... And we're all very tired. Like we'd we'd come together with some volunteers who had come who'd come on board to help us get it across the line, and we were all really tired because COVID was um, had disrupted everything. But we decided to still go ahead, and instead of having a one day online symposium to just release the talks as we gathered them, um, because instead of having speakers speak live to an audience, um, we're asking the speakers to record the videos um, without an audience. Um, 
And so we, yeah, so we gathered the videos and we've released them weekly over a month and we plan now to have those available for, for anyone to find and consume in their own time and space and to, because, you know, we cover so many topics um, within the seven talks, six to seven talks that we have that, um, that, yeah, like so people can consume and digest that information in their own time and space and then they can go to our resources page and they can follow up and read more and, um, and learn more and then decide how they want to, what they want to do with that. And we've got some, um, and following the release of all the talks, we're going to have a little rest because we're a bit tired, but then we're going to, um, to release a next stage, which will be about people following up within their own communities and sharing stories. And really we, it's moved to being a space of um, of creating a space where we can share our stories and listen to one another and see what our commonalities are, but also celebrate our differences um, and to find that new tapestry that creates an almost like a gift to our, to the next generation of what they can expect from motherhood. You know, like, yeah, I think that's. I love that. Yeah, I love that idea of finding that common ground for um, the commonalities but then celebrating those differences and a platform mm-hmm. for listening as well, which is somewhat what the symposium is at the moment, is just that conversation but the listening and then, um, yeah, I'm happy to hear that the next stage will be encouraging people to take it into their own communities because that's really where fundamentally the change needs to happen. And often it feels like the online stuff and the big broad uh, reaching things to lots of people gets more attention than the really important work of small gatherings and conversations within our communities. But that's where the fundamental change will really happen. Yeah. No, precisely. It, um we always said that this was like a bit of a 10 year vision Mm. and like, and even this morning I was on my Facebook and I was reminded that it really does this sort of change that you want to see. It really does the sort of change that you think you want to see immediately. It takes 10 years. Yes. And it's a lot of hard work. Like if I like the, the photo that popped up on my Facebook this morning of 10 years ago, was of an exhibition I did at my workplace around reconciliation and respect. And the exhibition was called Respect. And, um, you know, we were having that really difficult conversation around um, what reconciliation looked like in our organisation. And there was a lot of tension within the organisation at that, at that point in time and at the end of last year, I was saying to my CEO, I said, if you asked me 10 years ago, this is where our organisation would be today, I would have laughed. But it really did take that 10 years for us to move through that cycle. And I think that's the same with Mums Matter. It's where at the very beginning point of planting the seed and nurturing that, and it will take us time, but we will get there. But it will be that on the ground local work that sees 
the change mm. and look back and we'll be like, oh, wow, like it's really different now. It's a different experience and we're telling a new story and the story's evolved from where, where we were 10 years ago. Yeah, I love that concept of really keeping in mind. And I think the older we get, the more we understand this, but it can still be hard in our society. We live in an instant gratification world. Mm-hmm. And um, even if we have an awareness of that, we still kind of get caught up in it to have that idea of this longer vision. It's so good you've had that experience to look back within this area of reconciliation and respectful conversations and listening um, and we've talked about this. So for people listening, I also studied with Julie Jones at Newborn Mothers, as some of you may know, and I think episode three I interviewed Julia. So for people that might want to go back and um, it's kind of piquing their interest in postpartum care, can go back and listen to that and I'll put some links up. Um, and we've spoken about this before as well within our own personal um, visions of postpartum care that we're kind of in it for the long haul. We're not in a rush. It's just about creating change for mums for in the future now, but in the future in our daughters and really making that concrete cultural change and working out how to be most effective. So I was thinking, because I remember seeing um, on the newborn mothers just not much like you guys, obviously you and Julia were obviously having those uh, conversations behind the scenes, but there were little bits that would come up. And I think Julia might've posted one day, what does decolonize? decolonization mean to you or what does decolonizing motherhood mean to you so i was Mm. thinking for the listeners it might be good um if you just give a little um background of what that means how you see that decolonizing motherhood yeah it's interesting like so decolonizing motherhood i think for, for me personally it's about unlearning the story we've been given from um, our past generations and and asking ourselves what story do we want to give to our future generations like so we have a like we have a responsibility to create the story for the next seven generations coming after us so yeah so for me it's about what stories did we learn and how can we challenge those stories? Like not to say that you can't take any of that story forward, but there is a lot wrong with the stories that we were given. Like, you know, if I think about my personal story that I was given, it's like growing up in the 80s, um, you can be anything. You can be a superwoman. You can have the career. You can have the children. You can have the travel. You can have this. Oh, but if you... Actually, like when you actually get to your 20s and you go for the travel, you have the education, you get, you can like, you have your relationships and you find your relationships late in your 20s and then you want to start having your children in your early 30s and then you come up against a whole lot of um, fertility issues. Oh, and the career that you've just spent the last 10 years building comes crashing down because you've decided to go and have children like that doesn't seem like a very nice story to want to hand on to I don't want to hand that story on to my children like um also I don't want to hand on the story that I'm a woman who can do it all by myself I want to hand on the story that we're a community 
that has a responsibility for caring for one another and wherever, whatever my role is in that, in, in a moment of time, I have a responsibility for the whole community, not just for me and not just for my children or my family. It's everyone. So for for me, decolonisation is about challenging the stories of the past, working out what worked and what to bring forward, but how to evolve that story to ensure that, you know, when I think about it's not just the story I'm handing on to my daughter, I think about the story I'm handing on to my grandchildren and my great-grandchildren because that's, you know, that's how it's going to live on. And I want to make sure that my children have um, have a different story and a different experience, one where they're accepted in society, one where they feel empowered to make choices and not feel judged if they want to do something different. Um, and one where they feel like where they understand the responsibility of being an active member of our society, which is about caring for one another. Mm. Yeah. Oh, I love it, Lucy. Thank you. Yeah. yeah so that's what decolonisation is for me. Mm. And then I guess yeah. people have different um, interpretations of what that means for them, but uh, essentially mm. it's about looking at the story we've been handed on that might have existed for how many generations before and how we're going to carry that forward and change that with what we've got here. Yeah, I love it. Yeah. And from an Australian context, actually, yeah. um, it's about retelling that story so it involves everyone's voice. Yes. Like, so, you know, we're very lucky in Australia. We, we have the oldest continuous living culture on the planet. And, um, yeah, so it's about involving the stories that haven't been involved in our past stories to ensure that everyone's voices are heard there. Yeah. Yeah, feeling the privilege of having those stories intertwined into our stories. Mm. Yeah, we are very, very privileged. You're right. Mm. Um, We just have such a rich... First Nations culture here and there's still a lot of healing to be done, a lot of listening to be done and, yeah, working out how that can be, how that can be done well. And the most recent wave of Black Lives Matter has been interesting for a lot of people, I think, depending on, yeah, where you're at and so many interesting conversations around that and it's, yeah, it's full on for everyone. It's quite um confronting and emotional and even for people who think oh I'm not racist and I'm doing this well it's about getting beyond that and just looking at privilege looking at Mm. equity looking at how these ideas of racism can be expressed and lived whether you identify with being racist or not being racist, it's, it doesn't, it's yeah. irrelevant because it's, it's still there. It's, we have a race issue. We have equity issues. And, and there's system. a lot of parallels to that in mothering, whether you're looking at First Nations mothering or whether you're looking at mothering across the board. Yeah. You've had some interesting speakers come on. Yeah. I haven't listened yeah. to all the talks yet, but um, I'm super 
excited to get to the most recent one with Paula Adu, uh, Bud, sorry. Yeah. Um, and mm-hmm. I really loved your first story with Leah Pa-a-pa-a. Sorry, Leah, I'm probably saying that <laughs> not the right way. Um, but, yeah, can you talk a little bit about the speakers and how they yeah. can be and, yeah, give us a little teaser? <laughs> yeah, so, so we have um, Leah Apa. Sorry. Leah. I've got it written down. I'm just going to go to the page because I do forget. I remember that. So we've got Leah Apa, um, and she, I met Leah through my work in the arts and she is an artist, um, a community cultural development practitioner um, and a mother and um, and she um, and she's a First Nations woman as well um, not an Australian First Nations woman but from I think her mother's from Samoa and her father's from um, from the Californian region of America um and she's married to an aboriginal man and they have a son together and so she it talks about um yeah she talks about uh the ancestral food and eating which just is like you know so inspiring um and you know reawakening that and how you can, you can, um, how how you can have a relationship with food that also is a relationship with your ancestors, and um, nurturing yourself in that first thousand days. Um, and she also talks about a project that um, that she's co-created. Um, it's a global indigenous spaces called. Karake Bina Malmal. Um, I'm not sure if I've pronounced that right though. Um, so it's about workshops that deliver delivers workshops to mothers and carers to support them while creating culturally relevant resources for their children. So it's a mothers led for mothers by mothers with mothers um, space playgroup space where the children are there but it's not actually focused on the children it's focused on the mothers and but the children are looked after because the mothers are looked after um then we have samantha jansen who she talks about her she's a sri lankan born australian um and she talks about her journey to coming to australia as an 18 year old um her becoming a mother and then ultimately becoming a single mother. Um, and, um, and starting her own business. Um, and then we have Lenine Burke who, um, who talks about her queer parenting experiences. Um, and she's played the role of, the co-parent and the dad um, 
to being the birth parent and the mum. Um, she has gone from her family, talks about um, her family being from that traditional sense of the two parents and the child to becoming a single parent family um, and the journey that they've taken um, as a, as a family. Um, and then, and then having children with diverse high needs and diverse, but high needs. So, and, and that journey that that's taken her on, um, which is a fascinating talk. Mm. Um, and, and she talks about this beautiful thing of the bank of love at the end, which is just, it's a wonderful concept of like, how do you, what do you put into the bank of love? Like, it's like almost like paying it forward, but not paying it forward. It's like looking after your community. Like, how do you look after your community and put into the bank of love? Because when you put into the bank of love, you get so much out of that, like by giving to other people. Um, then we have Nikki Jeffrey who um, she talks about faith and mental health um, and her her journey she with um, postnatal psychosis and and how her community helped her through her journey. Um, and then we have Paula Abood who talks about aunties as the social mothers of family and community. Um, yeah, like Paula's talk is just, it's a dynamo talk. Like it's, it's quick, it's sharp, it's, you know, it will leave you needing to think about it for about three days because it's, it challenges you as to what mothering is. Like, do you have to be a biological um, or legal parent to mother in the world that we are? I reckon not. Um, and that's what Paula challenges us with. Like, aunties are integral to our community and we forget about them mm. in our modern day story. And I'm assuming um, aunties is not just biological aunties. We're talking about aunties within. So for some people might remember, depends on your lineage and your upbringings, but for me, like I come from just sort of Irish, Celtic, Scottish, English background. But even when I was growing up, my um, nan, if we had a family friend, we'd call her auntie. She was called auntie. But then with my Filipina mother-in-law like everyone's auntie if we just run into a filipina that we know it on the street they're just auntie <laughs> when i lived yeah. in Texas, that sort of concept of anyone with who's within your community within like, who's a little bit older just becomes auntie yeah and you have a responsibility to look after people in your community yes like even as like if you are a biological mother to a child you might have gotten through your immediate parenting like postpartum period and then you might step into the role of auntie like in another space like yes no it's about your responsibility to the community um around you mm, mm. and and not denying that and you know like as a younger woman you can step into that role 
if you are wanting to have children, it can help prepare you. Yeah. For when you do have your own children. So there's whole, you know, like it just, for me, the auntie discussion is shunned and, you know, like inviting Paula to speak was really about like, let's bring this discussion to the fore because it, um, yeah, really, really, it's a really missing part of our discussion. And I think as women, we wouldn't struggle so much if we, if we shone, shone a light on that missing part of us. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and it's introducing a concept that might just help people step into that a little bit more and reweave that. Cause I think it was always mm-hmm. like that not that long ago. And for some people it's still like that, but we have lost it and we need to re yeah, reinvigorate it and that create that social responsibility. Like I spoke to a Chinese woman a while back who was talking about her postpartum care, traditional postpartum care when she was back in China. And she just said, it's just social responsibility. There is no way it would be so um, embarrassing and shameful if someone found out that your family had left a new mother alone. So there was just that social responsibility and that I feel like the Mm -hmm. auntie's conversation is about that. It's about re-inspiring that social responsibility and giving it a really clear framework. Because when you take on the role of auntie, that's whether, like you said, whether you're younger and haven't had children or just haven't had children um, or whether your children are a little bit older now. Yeah. And also for the women who don't want to have children. Yeah. I, you know, they, it doesn't mean that you're not a part of the community and you don't have responsibility because there's lots of women who don't want to have children themselves, but they don't want to miss out on that experience. And, you know, it's like, yeah, there's a space for women. It's just that in our modern day narrative, we've forgotten that space. Mm. So let's remember that space because that space was always there and it's needed. Um, And so if you're a woman who doesn't want to have children physically, um, biologically, it doesn't mean that you don't get to have that experience of mothering in a different way and being responsible for your community. Yeah, absolutely. Takes a village. Hey there, I'm Julia. I'm interrupting this podcast to let you know that if you are really enjoying this podcast, you'll probably really enjoy newborn mothers too. We provide online courses for professionals and mothers worldwide who believe birth is about making mums too. You'll find all the links in the show notes. Enjoy the rest of the show. Final two speakers, um, we have Kiralee Dawn, who will be in discussion with Angela Coe. Um, and Kiralee, um, she runs an initiative called Indigenous Daughters um, on Instagram. And, um, and she is talking to... Angela, who is a um, Wawadjuri midwife working at the AMS, um, I think in Sydney. Um, so that 
yeah, so that's a real privilege to be able to listen in on that discussion to First Nation Australian women talking about all things from birthing on country to culturally safe, creating culturally safe spaces, um, racism within the systems, Black Lives Matter, they cover it all um, and unfiltered, undoctored, it's like it's just their raw conversation. So that's a really interesting one. And then um, we have one last speaker who, um, Lydia Fairhall. So she's an, another artist, um, musician, theatre maker, storyteller. And she um, is wanting to speak about um, spirituality and motherhood from a First Nations perspective. Mm, great. So that is the speakers for this first series. And then um, we're exploring what will happen next, but we will be putting out something so that people can do something, have a framework to do something within their own communities um, to continue the conversation. Um, and then we will probably, like, we might look at, like, how we can invite, because we pay all the speakers, we've, we've dedicated to paying the speakers that we invite on to curate the discussions, like the leading discussions. So we're going to try and work out a way that we can raise some more money to invite some more speakers to have more dedicated series that explore all different areas. Mm. Um, and um, But then we're also inviting people to share their stories through our space and on our blog and um, so just to create that space of listening mm. and a platform that you can share your story. Mm, I love that. And you've already got a few stories up there. And so if people go to the website, which I'll put all the links up, they can see where to sign up for the talks and then mm. the talks get delivered once a week, no matter when you sign up. That's right. So um, you st- oh, yeah, so once you sign up, you get what has been. Okay, yes. And then. Gotcha. Yeah. So, um yeah, so they'll probably all have been released by the time this podcast comes out. So yeah. once you sign up to the newsletter, you'll get all seven talks delivered directly to your inbox. And yeah. Um, and then phone. also on the website, they can read other people's stories and there's a link to click share. But there's also some great resources. So there's mm-hmm. um, some fantastic, a great book list, an awesome movie list, websites. Heaps of great resources on there. And I'm sure that will keep growing and evolving and building as well. Yeah. I was thinking when you were talking about Paula and um, the role of aunties and the decolonisation, there's three guiding principles to Mums Matter, which I love Mm. from the website. Um, So number one is healthy mothers, healthy families, healthy communities, healthy planet. Yeah. Number two is mothering is a mindset, not a biological or legal status. And that's what, yeah, you touched on that a little bit with Paula and I love mm. that idea because, yeah, we're looking at mothering as a community but also, I guess, um, for people who might foster or adopt 
or um, are in yeah kinship care, that sort of thing. But then broadly as well, how are you mothering as an auntie? You don't need to have a child with you permanently, but you might fill the role. Grandmothers, you know, aunties, non-biological aunties. I think that's a really important point to make that it's not necessarily just a biological status mothering. Yeah, and I guess I think, and that's us challenging this narrative that we've been given, particularly over the last, like, well, I know over my lifetime, mm. um, since the eighties, that you know that you, to be a mother, you have to have birthed a child, mm-hmm. and you know I don't necessarily think that's true like um personally i don't think that's true and the others who have worked on mums matter and the founding committee don't think that's true either so we for us we really wanted to challenge the narrative in that context and also for and when we write kind of like a little statement under each um guiding principle that even men can step into their mothering energy like it's not it's not even gender based yes you know we all have male and female energy within us and as men men can also step into their mothering energy so it's like we're very um we want to challenge everyone's perception of what mothering is and and how and how that can happen and and for men to step into their mothering energy would mean that they become allies to women to to push up this idea that if you look after a mother and women, you're looking after everyone, yeah. <laughs> like yeah. including the planet. Like, and it comes back: look after the planet, and you're looking after yourself. And um, we have this beautiful quote up on the website at the moment from Lydia Fairhall that. You know, it's saying you start by looking after yourself and when you look after yourself and you care for yourself and you care for others around you, then that extends out. And so that whole idea of once you're caring for yourself and your family and the people around you, that extends out and you start caring for the environment around you mm-hmm. and and back and possibly why we're in the situation we are in as a human race at the moment is that we haven't been caring for ourselves. Yeah, or the planet. Or the people around us and that's mirrored in that we don't care for our planet. Yeah, and for me I see how that just so innately ties into the idea of decolonising our story, decolonising it, like our social, political, economic structures. Um. Mm. Yeah, I think it's important that you mention the fathers as well. My grandma often mentions, oh, wow, you know, like when we had kids, the dads were just barely involved. Now they pick them up, they cuddle them, they hold them. Just those little acts for her is really heartwarming. Just in those two generations, she often mentions it to me. Uh, It's a good reminder. And that's Mm. part of the decolonising is that dads can feel that more what has traditionally been viewed as like a mothering, nurturing, cuddling, whatever it is, role, cooking, yeah. eating. Yeah, that's for everyone. <laughs> yeah, precisely. Yeah. Awesome. Thank you. I think 
Oh, yeah. And then the third principle, which we've covered, um, you've talked about quite a bit, is decolonisation is central to support from others. So, yeah. Um, oh, I just think you've all done an amazing job to bring it together, all the work and then midst COVID. <laughs> and then, yeah, everything going online. And I'm sure that your personal lives, you know, you probably had kids running around much more and... Most people yeah. involved mothers with kids at home. Yeah. So, yeah, you've done a great job bringing uh, up and launching it. Yeah, thank you. No, and we hope to continue the conversation. Like, it's not, it doesn't just end with seven talks that are randomly somewhere sitting on the internet. Yes. <laughs> like, that, yeah, and that we all have a responsibility to, to take this on in some way into our communities and and to be the change we want to see. Like yeah. you can't just sit there and go, ah, nothing ever happens. And it's like, well, well you have to you have to do it yourself. Like you have to start with yourself. Yeah. And radiate out and through. Yeah. Yeah, fantastic. Yeah, and I think that is the danger with the age of um, everything going online and so much information is that you can have a wave and sort of a fad of something. I was saying to you before, I've just sort of stepped back a little bit with social media. I'm still interacting with lots of other people and supporting other things, but I'm just, I've gone a little bit quiet with um, my posting. But um, because things come in this huge wave and this huge fad and then they just sort of disappear again. But how to keep that fairly constant so it's not too overwhelming, the conversation's there, but it keeps on happening. And how mm. does that conversation and that listening keep on happening doesn't just disappear so yeah I think I can see mums matter I know you and I know Julia a little bit I don't know either of you well but I can see that you both in it for the long haul and I look forward to seeing how mums matter evolves and ripples out into the world and yeah I'm keen to just keep my eye on that and try and participate here a little bit in my own community somehow as well it's challenging me to think about how I can participate in a more meaningful way from where I am, not just go, okay, yep, I'm here, I've done enough. It's We have to keep on challenging ourselves and challenging our thoughts and ideas and, and contributing. Yeah. Hmm. yeah, no, it's it's a it's a group effort. Like it will be a group community effort and it and it will take time. Like we can't expect that change to happen immediately, but in 10 years' time, we'll look back and we'll be like, wow, like, you know, we started something to shift the conversation again. Because really, where all we're doing really is picking up the conversation that our mothers started yes. and that our grandmothers started. Like, we're just, you know, we're, continue, we're continuing the conversation in our own space, in our own time frame, and our children will continue that conversation. So it's just about what part of the conversation we want to hand on and which parts do we want to leave behind. Yeah. Yeah. Not being stagnant with where it is. And I often talk about the different waves of feminism around postpartum care. And it feels like the last, we talk about the eighties and I think we were born around a similar time. So grew up in with similar stories, the super mum and yeah. um, birth sort of had, even though there's still a long way to go with looking at care of birth, um, it had, much more of um, a louder voice in the previous waves of feminism, whereas postpartum and mothering 
it's still quite silent, got left behind. I really feel mm-hmm. like postpartum care and beyond um, is getting much more of a voice now. We're like, okay, we're here. We've got to this point. That was wonderful what the previous generations have done to get us here, but we really need an extra surge <laughs> to move yeah. it forward. Yeah. It's exciting. Absolutely. Exciting to hear all these great visions and stories and share them. Yeah. Yeah. And creating that space too. And just remembering to take the time to listen. Like something might not be exactly what you want to hear, but taking the time to listen to that perspective, you know, not shutting them down. And because you can really learn from being open and, you know, and particularly those stories that really challenge you, um, you might have your light bulb moment in that moment of yeah. listening. Yeah, I've definitely mm. learned as I get older and I'm sure I'll continue to learn is that any time I feel a bit, I'm like attached to an idea or I'm feeling a bit dogmatic, I know that if I don't challenge myself and learn to loosen that a little bit, I'm going to learn in a quite a challenging way quite a hard way (laughs) so for me a very simple example was I was um living mostly vegan and vegetarian for a very long time and everyone's different everyone will find their own truth there's no right truth of anything um but for me I learned in a very challenging way after being dogmatic that that wasn't right for me therefore don't judge what's right for anyone and vice versa that's just a very simple example so yeah I think it's such a good point to always try and just remain open, even if it's not completely your truth, except there are many truths. Yeah. And yeah. We'll, we'll all be able to listen to each other a lot more from the heart yeah. space in that way. Yeah, precisely. <laughs> Thanks, Lucy. Well, I'll pop all the links up for people to sign up. Um, I'll try and get this out soon. What is it now? 20th of June. Yeah, this should come out soon but either way people can get all those stories and yeah jump on if you're listening and you're feeling inspired jump on and share your story because even if you've got that little voice in your head that says who would want to hear my story it's just one drop in the ocean I've learned that over time your story will probably resonate with a lot of other people and that will inspire other people to be brave to share theirs and feel less alone so yeah I love that you've got that platform Precisely, and everyone's story matters. Yes. Yeah. Is there anything else? Well, no, I think we've covered it all. Yeah. Mum's matter. Yeah. Mum's matter. Hashtag. It's a hashtag too. Hashtag. Yeah. The hashtags. (laughs) (laughs) Share your stories online if that's where you want to share. thanks lucy thank you so much thanks for tuning in i hope you enjoyed that as always we'd love for you to contact us and share any ideas you have for future podcasts and to share that with friends and family or anyone who might get something from the podcast leaving a review on itunes is really helpful as well because it helps us uh, be seen and share what we're passionate about more thank you